Thank you for checking out the podcast of Eastern Assembly of God in Baltimore, Maryland. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at www.easternassembly.org. Well, if you're searching for your notes in your bulletin, you can stop your search because they're not there this morning, all right? This morning's message is more of a story, and not only that, we had a short week, so I decided to give our secretarial help, say, look, don't worry about the uh, bulletin insert, we'll give you the week off, so just listen, now that your hands are free, you can say a few more amens, all right? So we are bringing to an end today this series on the heart of worship. How many of you know worship is more than something we do when we gather together? There is a walk of worship, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. And I want you to look at this very interesting passage in Amos. I just happened to read this in my personal devotions this week as I'm going through the, uh, the, the prophets. Um, but I want you to read this with me. It says, in that day, say in that day, I will restore... David's, you don't have to read, just let's start all over, all right? You're going to say in that day, and then you're not going to say anything more, all right? Ready? Here we go. In that day, I will restore David's fallen tent. Now, listen, listen, okay. What was David's fallen tent? I mean, I know that Moses had a tabernacle that he built, right? I know that Solomon rebuilt the, or built the temple, built the, built the structure temple. But what was David's fall intent? We're going to talk about that. I will repair its broken places, restore its ruins, and build it as it used to be so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name. So something about this tent being open to all nations declares the Lord who will do these things. So say David's fall intent. We're going to get there. We're going to tell a story to get there. All right? So our story begins in 1 Samuel chapter 4, if you were to look in your Bible where we're starting. And in 1 Samuel chapter 4, the Israelites were battling the Philistines. And on the first day of battle, the Israelites lost 4,000 men. Good day or bad day? Bad day. And as they licked their wounds, if you will, and contemplated the next day, someone had a bright idea. They said, well, tomorrow... Let's bring the Ark of the Covenant down and take it with us into battle. Now, for those of you who don't know what the Ark was, let me pause for a moment and bring everybody up to snuff here. The Ark was something that God told Moses to build some 400 years earlier. It was basically a gold-covered box with a couple of angels on top, cherubim, and it was upon the Ark when placed in the tabernacle that the glory of the Lord abode. You see that that. On the right-hand side, that beam of light, that was the glory of the Lord resting on the temple. So this was no small thing. So it was upon the ark that, that, the, that the presence of God abode. So the thinking of the army is, man, if we bring the ark down, yeah, we are, good timing. We're certainly going to win. Okay, here's the problem. Now listen. Unfortunately, the people at this time, the Jewish people, were not really serving God. They were running after a lot of other things. And of course, they knew about the ark because every good Jew knew about the ark. But, but they were bringing it down more as a good luck charm than as they were out of reverence and respect for the things of God. Understand? Okay. You know how I know that a lot of Christians kind of do the same thing? Say how, Pastor? 
Because when everything is going right, they don't think about God too much. But when a problem comes, then they're all in. Come on, listen to me this morning, okay. Serving Jesus is more than just about what he can do for you. He is God when you're on the mountain. He is God when you are in the valley. He is worthy of your everyday service and your everyday walk of worship. Can you say amen? Amen. Listen, if if, if your Christian walk has a switch, well, Jesus, I want to go over here, but I don't think you want to come with me. Off. I need you, Lord, on. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to you because I've seen it a lot of times. Something's going to happen in your life that you're not going to understand. And you're going to say, this doesn't work for me. And off you're going to go in your own way. Listen, that's not what this is all about. Come on, somebody. He, He is God all the time. And he's worthy of your service. And it's not about just what he can do for you. It's about a God who deeply loves you. Who says, I'm going with you over the mountain, through the valley. It's really about having him with you in the moments of life. Not just can you deliver me from every problem that I face. Can you say amen? Amen. It should be an answer somewhere, but I didn't give you notes today. So there. All right. All right. So the Israelites bring the ark down. When they brought it down... There was such a roar in the camp that even the Philistines wondered what was happening. And they said, oh, they brought the ark down. So they go into battle the next day, but remember, their hearts weren't right. And that next day was one of the worst days in the history of Israel. Here's what happened. First of all, they go to battle and they're they're defeated again. But not only are they defeated, but the priests who brought the ark down, Phinehas and... um, And uh, I have his name here somewhere, all right? Phineas, and and they were killed, all right? And Phineas and Hophni, thank you, were killed. And worse than that, the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant. So so a runner takes the news back to the the high priest, Eli. Why a runner? Because they didn't have cell phones back then to text, hello. So the runner gets to Eli, and he says, Eli, Eli, your sons are dead and they've captured the ark. When Eli heard that the ark had been captured, he fell off the bench he was on backwards, broke his neck, and was killed. You know what the statement is in that? He said, I don't want to live anywhere where God's presence isn't, is basically what he was saying. But that doesn't end. Also in the camp was Phineas' wife, who was very, very pregnant. And when she was told her husband had been killed and the ark had been taken, she went into labor, delivered the child, but she herself died during childbirth and the child was named Ichabod. Listen, don't, don't ever name your child Ichabod. Okay. Don't go home and say, I got a new name for the baby in your womb. I don't, okay. Ichabod means, again, we're talking about one of the saddest day in Israel's history, the glory has, and the, ark, the ark is no longer with us. God is no longer with us. It's gone. Well, the Philistines have the ark now. So what are they going to do with it? Well, they put it in the, the temple of their god, the fish god, Dagon, which was their primary god. Sit it in there, not really knowing what to do. Come back the next day, and they're amazed that Dagon has fallen over. Who pushed Dagon over? So they sat him back up. Next day, they go back in there again, and not only is Dagon fallen over, but basically his hands and feet are off also. And you know what the message is in that? How many know there is only one all-powerful God? Come on. 
How many know he has the power over any other God, any other bondage, addiction? Come on, it's got to fall and bow and it's broken in his name. Can you say amen? And if there's something in your life that has set itself up as some God, I'm telling you, if you'll come to Jesus, Jesus has the power to break the hold of any other thing that has dominance in your life. Can you say amen? So the Philistines don't know what to do with this ark. It's causing them problems. So they move it from city to city, and everywhere they move it, there's problems. So they finally conclude, we got to get the ark out of here or we're all going to die. So they send it back to Israel. And there it went to a, to a city in Israel. And here's what, what's sad. It was during that time that Saul became king. And Saul never, ever went to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. What does that say about Saul? He, had, he, he was too busy making, making uh, statues of himself to really care about the presence of God. But David, on the other hand, when David became king, one of the first things David wanted to do, remember David was a man after God's heart? He says, we're going after the ark. We want the ark back where it belongs. So David came up with a plan. He said, well, we're going to make a brand new cart. We're going to get some oxen, and we're going to pull it back from where it is into Jerusalem. Problem was, the Bible was very clear how that ark was to be carried. Never upon a cart. Always you put staves through the ark, and the priests carried the ark by foot. Okay? So, so, so David tried it his way. They went and got the ark, and, and they begin the march back to Jerusalem, and next to the, next to the ark are two priests um, that are there. Uh, Uzzah and Ohio are, are there, and I think I have a picture of it here of something that may have happened, and the, uh, the cart hit a pothole. How many know potholes go back a long ways? Come on, somebody. <laughs> and, and when the ark shook, Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark, and he was killed. Not allowed to touch that. That's, that's sacred. That's powerful. And David was like, Lord, what's going on here? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to bring the ark back to Jerusalem, and you're killing priests along the way? So, so they stopped the procession, and the ark ended up in the home of Obed-Edom. All right? Listen. listen. What, what was the message in this? Let me just pause for a moment. Okay, remember, David was trying to worship, do it his way. Okay? If you weren't here two weeks ago, I talked about the way of worship. Let me just remind you for a second. God has a way that he must be worshiped. So who do you think he is? God, who does he think he is? God? Yeah. Yeah. If you could make up the way you come to God, then you'd be God. You understand? Part of worship is submission to the God who is God. And if the God who is God says, would you lift up that hand in acknowledgement that I'm God, then, then you don't be like, well, I'm do that. You humble yourself and you say, Lord, if that brings you glory, that I would lift this hand and say, God, you're good. Lord, if it would bring you glory, that I would open this mouth and acknowledge that you are the Lord, I will open this mouth. Come on, somebody. Can I help you this morning? Stop fighting with God in worship and just humble yourself and do the simple things that acknowledge he is God. And you know what the reward of that is? Is you'll begin to experience God in your worship because now you're doing it his way. Can you say amen? amen. All right. Jeremiah 29, 13 says it this way. You will seek me and find me when you seek me. Help me, church. All of your heart. Now notice, it was Uzzah, the priest, who died when he put out his hand. And the name Uzzah literally means strength. And there's a message in that. Ah, 
I can do it my way. He's my strength. Listen, listen. You may consider yourself a strong person in that you have a strong personality. You're not affected by what other people do. You do your own thing. But your own strength will get you nowhere when it comes to a walk with God. Come on. God can't use you if you're trying to do it in your own strength. And the key word in Christianity is not strength. It's an S word, but it's surrender. Come on. Think about that. The other night, um, my, my father-in-law was in town, and he wanted to watch the, the news at 10 o'clock before he went to bed, so I turned it on, and prior to the news was the WWE. It was about 10 of 10, all right? And uh, um, if, if, if no one's ever told you this, it's fake, okay? And, um, and we were just getting out a kick. Of, of, you know, you think if they really did that to each other, they'd all be dead before the match was over, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's like, like you're going to say to God, God, get in the ring, I'm strong. And God's like, why would you want to do battle with your own strength when the resources of heaven are ready to empower you? Come on. If you could do it in your own strength, you'd have, got, you'd have broke that habit a long time ago. You'd be in a different place than you are now. All those are evidences that you need to humble yourself and say yes to his strength. Can you say amen? I love this verse in Zechariah 4, 6. It says this. Not by might, nor by power. Whose might? Whose power? Yeah. But by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Amen? Amen. So David hears that the house of Obed-Edom, where the ark was stored, is blessed. That everything Obed-Edom done is being blessed. And David says to himself, well, man, I want the ark here. I want to be blessed. Okay, listen, there's a message in a lot of this story, David. Here's the message. When you look across the aisle and you see somebody with their hands raised and tears in their eye and God visiting them, you know, God's no respecter of persons. If you do what they'll do, God will do for you what he's doing for them. When you see someone else being blessed by God and you say, How do, how's that happening? You say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to, to obey God's word and follow him. Learn, Amen. All right, so, so David takes some time and, and either he or he assigns somebody, say, hey, find out how we're supposed to carry the, the ark and, and whether he discovered it himself or someone else did, they come back and say, well, it says, it says Moses commanded that the ark is to be carried by priests on staves and always on foot. So David says, okay, we, we did it wrong. That's why all this happened. Let's do it right. So he goes back with some priests, loads up the ark, I'm going to skip this one verse. Let me get to the verse I want to take you to. I want to take you to 2 Samuel 6, 13. It says, When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. Now, I, I, I love this. Those of you who've been around for a while, I've told this story before, and you may, you may remember this part. So, so picture this. They, they put the ark, the priest lifted up, one, two, three, four, five, six. How are we doing, Lord? We got it right this time? Help us, Lord. You know, you know six in the Bible is the number of man. And, 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 and you know what David concluded? I shouldn't go more than six steps without acknowledging God. What would happen, church, 
if we would just constantly choose to acknowledge God, I mean, every six steps may be a little unrealistic, um, but, but more often during our day. How many know sometimes we go 5,787 steps before we acknowledge God? Now, now listen, be, be honest for a moment. I'm a man. I can only concentrate on one thing at one time. If I'm changing a tire, I'm changing a tire. But there are lots of times during the day when you're kind of just taking a step back. You're in between jobs. You're eating lunch, whatever. Might we learn more often how to just take a moment and say, God, you're still God of my bologna sandwich. Thank you, Jesus. Huh? How often I've been in the midst of a project and been frustrated, and I just took a moment and say, God, you know what I didn't do before I started this? I didn't ask you to help me. Would you help me, God? Come on, God's just looking for you. Like David, to just stop, take a break. Now, in the Old Testament, a sacrifice was an actual sacrifice, a bull or fatted calf. In the New Testament, the Bible says a sacrifice is basically a sacrifice of your praise where you're choosing in that moment to acknowledge that he is God. Right? And the Lord looked down from heaven after success and says, yes, this is it. So they continue the march to Jerusalem. And David is so excited about having the ark, which represented the presence of God in Jerusalem, what does he do? Yeah, he takes off his kingly robe, and he begins to dance and rejoice before the Lord. Didn't care about his kingly robes. He just wanted God in his midst. Come on, somebody. And uh, he danced before the Lord. I love what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 6. It says, David wearing a linen ephod danced before the Lord with all his might while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. But let, me, let me just say something to, to, to somebody here today, maybe a few of you. For whatever reason, you're just a little hesitant to kind of jump in. It's like you're, you're okay that other people are raising your hands, are raising their hands, but just not me. All right, that's, that's what you're saying, okay? Listen, you know in the Old Testament, the word praise is used many times. There are various Hebrew words that mean different things for that word praise, but the word that is most often used when you read the word praise in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word halal, from which we get the word hallelujah. And it literally means, look it up, it means to be clamorously foolish. What does that mean? That means scrap what somebody's doing next to me. Whether they're in or not, these hands are going up in the air. This voice is going to be used for Jesus. Come on, somebody. Now note, when David went home, his wife was not happy that he was acting like a fool out there. Basically said, how dare you take off your the kingly robe? Don't you know you're the king? What are you doing dancing like a fool out there? And let me just tell you, listen. When you seriously decide to go after God, just know not everybody around you is going to be happy. And I'm not so talking about everybody around you right now. I'm talking about everybody around you in your world, neighbors, workmates, family. Come on. Listen, I've told you the story. Listen, my own mom, who told me when I was younger that someday I'd be a preacher. When I got saved and was going to church three times a week, she sat me down with tears in her eyes. She says, I think you're going overboard, son. 
She didn't understand. Listen, no, no one told me, if you're going to be a good Christian, you got to go to church three times a week. I was there because I wanted to be there. Man, I wanted more of God. He was working in my life. Come on, somebody. And you know what? You know who one of my biggest fans was in the end when it all worked out? Yeah, when, God, when, when she saw that the work in my life was sincerely from the Lord, she was all in. But I'm just trying to help you this morning, all right? You know, who, who are you pleasing this morning? At some point, you got to say, look, my, the first person I'm pleasing is the one who created me and the one to whom someday I shall stand before. Can you say amen? So they, so they get the ark in Jerusalem. And then it says that David gave to them a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. But notice the order. First worship, then provision. Here, here's what we tend to do. Lord, I got a roof over my head, I got food on my table, all is taken care of, then I'll raise my hand and say thanks. And God says, I'm still God if there's nothing in the cupboard. I'm still God when things are going wrong. Matter of fact, I love Jesus' words in Matthew chapter six. He says this, seek first, everybody say first, his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. Okay, so David now has the ark in Jerusalem. Problem, he has no place to put it. The, the, the tabernacle that, had, that Moses had constructed was 400 years old. How many of you know someone's not gonna give you a tent that's 400 years old? Why not? Yeah, you can't even get a, a tarp that lasts 10 years, you know what I'm saying, before it gets some holes in it, right? So, so, so that's gone, and Solomon was his son who built the temple, so there was, there was no place to, to put it. So David pitches a tent somewhere near his tomb. Remember our verse? I will rebuild David's fallen what? Tent. So David builds a tent, and he puts the ark inside the tent, and he calls a bunch of musicians basically to play round the clock because they didn't have Spotify. Now, now catch this now. So that any time David wanted... He could wander over to the tent and he could sit there. May have not gone inside because he was a priest. Maybe God allowed him to. We don't know that. But he was right there, right by the presence of God. And when you understand that, you begin to understand some of the Psalms that David wrote, like this one. One thing of the Lord, this is what I seek, he said, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. What was the house of the Lord to David? It wasn't a tabernacle, it was a tent all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. So, so, so what, is, what is David's tent? The presence of God, where David could go. God, God said, I, I'll rebuild David's fallen tent. You know, you know he's done that? You know how? Because when Jesus died and shed his blood and someone opens the door and asks him in, the presence of God is no longer, a, listen, even if they found the Ark of the Covenant in today's world, it wouldn't mean anything. What's the movie with, with the Ark? Yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Forget Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's not real. Okay, God no longer dwells in an Ark. You know where he now dwells? Yeah, the glory of the Lord. Think about this. In the Old Testament, you'd have to bring your bull. You'd have to go to the tabernacle. You'd have to sacrifice to get near to God. But in the New Testament, friend, all you got to do is set up that tent, which you can set up anywhere and say, gee, you could be driving down Merritt Boulevard. Come on, somebody. 
and you're listening to Shine FM, and you say, Lord, I just want to take this moment to acknowledge how good you are, and I give you praise. You've set up David's fallen tent right in your car, and God can come visit you. Come on, you can be shaven in the morning. Jesus, you're so good. Come on, the, the tent's no longer something you have. Well, where's the tent? I want to set up David's. No, no. It's an attitude and a choice that you can set up anywhere. I've told you the story, but for somebody new, when I got saved, I got saved between my first and second year at Penn State. I was working in a paper mill to earn money for my second year, and it was a a really ungodly place. The the guys worked seven days a week, swing shift. They just weren't in a good mood. Uh, um, And I remember one night, not long after I got saved, sitting on a roll of paper on the midnight shift, waiting for the rewinder to finish. You just kind of sit there until the paper breaks or they're done. And, and I just closed my eyes, and I just said, Jesus. And I felt the presence of God that I felt in a church service. I remember kind of opening my eyes, and like, God, are you allowed to do this? This is not a good place here. You know what I mean? It's like, God. But little did I know that I was setting up David's fallen tent in a paper mill. And God was honoring that. And what I learned was, no matter where I am, I can set up that tent. And I can give glory unto him. Come on, somebody. Amen. When I I pastored in Michigan, we had a nursing home ministry. And not long after we started the ministry, I noticed there was this woman who always walked around humming. And my initial thought was, you know, she's a few bricks shy of a load maybe, or she's getting old or whatever, and you know. But she came to our service, and I had a conversation with her, and I found out she was actually very intelligent. And here's what she told me. She said, when I came into the nursing home, I found it very depressing. It was, it was just very hard, just because of what it's like inside the nursing home. She says, but I'm a believer, and, 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 and I, I, want, I want to praise him. So I hum because I'm going to keep a song in my heart. And, and by humming, it brings, it brings joy to me because my eyes are not on what is going around me. My eyes are on him. And in a moment, she went from being like to the smartest person in the nursing home. It's like, well, there, 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 there's something to that. Come on, somebody. Listen, God has given you this gift. You can set it up wherever you want. It's a tremendous, when you realize what they had to do in the Old Testament, say you live 200 miles from Jerusalem. That's a long way to walk a cow. Come on, somebody. And now it's just a choice, a privilege. Jesus. In, in the mornings, I, I, I go for, a, my, my schedule is I get up very early. I have devotions. I help get my kids ready for school. They head off to school, and then I take the dog for a couple-mile walk. Some days I listen to sermons. Some days I just listen to music, and I'm, I'm walking down the street. Sometimes I'm just waving my hand. I don't care what anybody thinks. It's just, come on. I'm, I'm enjoying his presence because his presence is my privilege and your privilege. But there's something you have to do in order to enjoy it. Chick to the world and set up the tent for the Lord. Can you say amen? How many of you have learned that anywhere you are? Yeah. Look, look at this verse. We're, we're about done. But you, say but you, are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. How many know even though you're not a descendant of Aaron, God declares you a priest, which means you have the ability to go into his presence 
a holy nation, a people belonging to God. For what purpose, Lord, he tells you, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And I'm giving you a homework assignment today. Some of you have already done this homework. You do it every day. Would you, would you make praise your practice outside of this building? Would you try to stop more often and acknowledge that he is God? And see if you don't see more of God's intervention in your daily life as you look up more often. Amen? Now, let, let, me, let me speak to somebody here today. Somebody that's here today, and you not, you may not be, I mean, I mean, this message was good, but there's something you need to do before you start what I said today. Because in order for this to work, your heart has to be cleansed. In order for God to commune with you, he, he has to be allowed to come in by his spirit and set up camp, if you will. And he won't set up camp until you've first been cleansed. But I've got good news for you. On the cross, Jesus paid a price by the shedding of his own blood so that if you'll humble yourself before him, he is more than willing to forgive you. Once forgiven, he's more than willing to move in. And I want you to think about it with me. Remember, remember that picture of the tabernacle with the glory of the Lord? If we could see in the spiritual realm today, you'd see glory shafts on the heads of people in this room this morning. Because he no longer dwells in a temple or a tent. He now dwells where? And one of the privileges that is ours is to acknowledge, Lord, Spirit of God, stir in me. I bless you. I praise you. No one is more willing to commune with you than God himself, if you'll give him that opportunity. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? Just a few moments, we're going to respond by taking some time around these altars to put into practice what I said. But before we do that, I want to take a moment. Because I, I pray, others pray with me. We pray, Lord, if there's anybody that wanders east into Eastern Assembly, that, that isn't right with God, that, that has never bowed their knee and confessed Jesus. We pray, Lord, would you let today be the day? Because can I tell you the two greatest moments of my life? The first was when I was born, and the second, the first Sunday in June of 1979, when I was born again, because that is when I entered into a relationship with Jesus. That's when I realized why I'm here on this earth. It's not to do my own thing and go my own way. He created me for him. I'm looking for somebody here today. And you say, Pastor, you're talking to me. Talking to me. I need Jesus. And today, this day, I'm going to make a choice. This is important because you have a choice. You, you can hear what I have to say and you can say no, no thank you. Or you can hear what I have to say and you can open the door of your heart and say yes. I'm not asking you to say yes to me. I'm not asking you to say yes to Easter or something of God. I'm asking you to say yes to the Jesus who died for you. If that's you today and you say, Pastor, I'm going to say yes, I just want you to raise up your hand 
Just, just, just hold it up for a minute. Thank you, sir. Someone else here today. Say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I'm the one who needs to enter into a relationship with God. God's stirring my heart. I feel something going on inside. And today, I'm going to open that door, and I'm going to ask Jesus to come in. Thank you, sir. You may put your hand down. Others here this morning. Jesus. Jesus. Just pray for those. Father. Lord, I pray for the hands that I saw, the hands that perhaps I didn't see. Lord, right where they are, might they open that door and say, Jesus, come in. Wash me clean. God, you will respond to the humble cry of someone who wants to be right with you every time. Do it, Lord. And I also take this moment to pray, God, for for those who are here at Eastern Assembly of God, Father, that you'd, you'd help us to take praise outside of the walls of our church. It's it's not just something we do on a Sunday morning. It's the walk of worship. It's, It's a life to be lived, our privilege of walking in fellowship with you and walking in praise to you. Help us, Father, to take fewer steps before we acknowledge and go about our day. I pray, Father, you'd remind us of this message this week, Lord. And that people would pause and say, Lord, you are good. Your mercy endures forever. Would you stand with me, church? And if you're willing, would you get out of your seat and just come to the altar? As a means to say, God, you're so worthy to be praised. I'm going to take a few minutes before I go about my day just to give you some praise. Come on. Let's fill these altars this morning. Can we do that? Jesus, Jesus, you're so worthy. You're so good. Just tell the Lord something like this. Lord, would you remind me? Would you help me? Just as I go out my day to praise you more, God. To pause more often and say thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. We give you praise. Sing it.